0: Hello and welcome to episode one, the first episode, the first public episode that we have going out right now of Video Game Consultation, a new video podcast all about the games industry and connecting common news topics with conversations about the greater games industry. My name is Jeremiah Potter. I'm joined with my co-host. I'll be joined every week by my co-host, Zane <laughs> Mosley. Zane, what's up?
1: What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm excited to be here.
0: I'm doing very well. It's a Friday. It's been a busy week. And I'm like, I just, I got to get get my energy up for this thing. I think it'll go up as we move along because that's, that's sure. tended to happen as we've recorded these podcasts. So this isn't the first episode that we've recorded, but it is the first one that's really going to be going up on my YouTube channel and on the, the new, uh, all the feeds, all the podcast feeds on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and things like that. We recorded probably 15, 17, 18 episodes before, and they've all been delisted. They're archived because um, I wanted to do a little soft reboot to make sure that the podcast was high quality and consistent. However, I did leave one episode up called, I believe it's called Indefensive Video Games. I think that was a really good episode. It's going to be the only one that we have that's not a video podcast, mm-hmm. but I was proud of that one, and I really liked it. So it's that's our episode zero. Yeah. So. For one thing, let's introduce ourselves since we are newbies to the industry. You're an enthusiast. I'm an early early entry into mm-hmm. games work, so we'll give a quick introduction. Uh, like I said, I'm Jeremiah Potter. I am currently a senior at the University of Kentucky. We'll be graduating in the spring, and I am going to work in the video games industry. I just completed an internship at Unity Technologies as a growth marketing intern, mm-hmm. and I'm doing lots of other work outside that, that's my most notable thing, but I'm sure I'll be promoting it on the YouTube and the Twitter and the whatever social media that I am forced to use. Uh, (laughs) Social media, but I will do it to promote the show and the things I'm doing. Um, Ow, ow, your arm. Yeah, yeah. Um, So Zane, why why don't you introduce yourself, tell the people who you are and why you're here.
1: I'm Zane. I have loved video games as long as I can remember. Which, to be fair, isn't that very isn't all that long, but um, uh, I'm also a senior at the University of Kentucky, also graduating in May. If I don't graduate, something went really wrong, so check up on me. Um, but I'm an aspiring law student, so that's kind of my background. I want to go into the legal field, um, and I just enjoy having really good conversations with really cool people, so that's why I'm here.
0: Yes, Zane is here. We. The first time that we recorded a podcast together was for a student project, was for a class assignment, one of your assignments, yeah. and, we did it and I thought that was fun, I could do that again. And you are you are very good at talking, my friend, and so I figured I appreciate you'd that. be the best best one to join me here. So I'll get into a little bit of what this show is going to be, what the plan for it is, and then we'll get on to the actual content. So like I said, it's it's a games industry podcast, we'll be taking... Common news topics, and you'll see what I mean here in a minute, and connecting them to overall the overall games landscape and conversations mm-hmm. so we're talking about culture, economics, branch strategies, design. We're both business students, so we're going to get into a lot of that. Uh, and each week, we're going to take something in the news and try to just peel back some of those layers to get a clearer view of what people are talking about and breaking some stuff down. So before we get into before we get into it, I do want to say what it's not. It's not a news podcast. So if you want a news podcast if you want to get all the information go to last day media go to giant bombcast go to whatever ign podcast go listen go read gamesindustry.biz sign up for uh you know video games chronicle newsletter or something it's what i do it's what everyone does go to go to those things if you want to just get the news yeah. here if you want to chat with some with some friends and here's some some casual but but focused conversation on some specific topics so we'll discuss news in small doses but the focus is on conversation around it. so uh what i have written here is we're looking at the why more than the what in lots of cases yeah so why do we care about something more than what is the thing we care about mm-hmm. um so i think there's a niche that's kind of uh open for like this kind of focused casual approach uh i think zane and i reflect that well in our general temp- temperaments um and I, uh, I my my kind of desire for this like overall conversation thing through some political groups that I'm a part of at school, where we just have we we take common, uh, we take current events that are in the news and kind of discuss them through a philosophical lens. And I really enjoy that that breaking it down and looking at more general things. So you're not getting into like the statistics and the predictions. You're talking about the ideas behind them. Uh, and so the the best comparable I could find for this is like maybe IGN Game Scoop. That kind of atmosphere, mm-hmm. um, and I'm, I'm, I'm I love Damon Hatfield, uh, so it's gonna it's gonna be that with with, with younger hosts. We have that that younger perspective. I don't know if that's better, but it's true. Right. So it is what it is. Maybe maybe more naive hope. Yes, yes, we're we're dumber. That's what. it is. Um, <laughs> at least me. Um, okay, so let's we'll get into the content. One thing that I want to start all these off with is just. Quick conversation intro of what we're playing uh, in terms of games to show that we are enthusiasts, we are in this industry, and also I just like to talk about it, and this is the best time to do that. So, yeah, absolutely. I'll start with myself, Zane. Uh, I I just recently beat uh, Sekiro: Shadows Die Twice, mm-hmm. which we talked a bit about before, and I said wasn't really clicking with me, mm-hmm. and it it did click. I I will say I'm a I'm a huge FromSoft fan. I think what they do with their worlds. And with their overall design principles is really, really interesting and and, and, uh, engrossing. I found that I can play FromSoft games for really long periods of time, especially compared to some other games where I can just I can marathon them. I can binge on them really, really Mm -hmm. easily. Sekiro didn't necessarily click with me as much as like a Dark Souls or a Bloodborne Mm -hmm. would um, just because it is much more linear. The world's not as much of a focus. But the combat is excellent. The controls are awesome. It has a really high production quality. I did enjoy the world for what was there. There were definitely some really standout moments. And in the end, the combat uh, with the parry system and the, and the different techniques that you can employ was really, really interesting and something that I felt like I would like to see taken into the form of their other Souls games to kind of get the best of both worlds there. So I think that's I think that's what I have to say on Sekro. Zane, you have any, any questions, anything I yeah. missed? Um no, i I'm wondering if you
1: noticed any uh, any other areas that seemed of particular focus to FromSoft as opposed to like the world. Like you said, they the world didn't really engross you. I don't think that it was like a personal thing. I think I've heard that elsewhere before too. And I was wondering if maybe they took the focus off of that world building aspect and put it somewhere else.
0: Yeah, the 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 combat, if I sorry, I, I must not have uh really gone deep as as i should have on this the combat's really really excellent far better than i think Mm -hmm. i haven't played elden ring yet this is my prep for elden ring that i think i'll play probably in the in the fall or winter Mm -hmm. um it's it's on a it's on another level it has it's a really high skill ceiling and there's a lot of depth to it and it's 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 twitchy and creative and really really punchy it feels really good Mm -hmm. uh and it's and it's much more unique Than their other games with how you don't typically you won't kill enemies by decreasing their health bar you'll kill enemies by breaking their posture bar which means that they kind of they can't block anymore and so you can just get a one one death blow on them and that's how you kill them so it, it it kind of had this effect of like more than any game i think i'm maybe i've ever played it kind of had almost like that live die repeat edge of tomorrow uh, <laughs> where it's just like you're going back and, and it, you know games like hotline Miami do this really well where it's just like okay I learned this okay I learned this got a little better learned this got a little better and mm-hmm. you just keep ascending that staircase and it yeah. feels excellent to get to the top um, I remember like on the, the final boss for instance when I first started there were, I'm not gonna there are like four phases to the final boss and I remember when I first started I was like I'm this is gonna take me absolutely forever. Because I, I couldn't even get through the first phase without using like all of my consumables, um, my replenishing consumables at least. And by the end, I was flying through those first two phases wicked fast with no damage taken. Just because it's like you pick up, okay, here's a strategy if I see this. And then you get better at recognizing those patterns. So they they really leaned into that. and You can tell it was kind of a side project for them as they were working on Elden Ring. But it still it, it shines really brightly, so I'm glad I got to it. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: um, do you, Sorry, sorry to interrupt.
0: No, go ahead. I was,
1: I was, I was kind of to expound on the combat point. Um, I was wondering if you thought it had like a different rhythm, or if it like was definitely reminiscent in like
0: the. Oh, it was. It was super different in terms of rhythm okay. than the than the Souls games. Souls games are a lot about like you know Dark Souls and stuff. Uh, less so Bloodborne, but it's about positioning and figuring out when to strike. Uh, Sekiro was was very, very aggressive, and that doesn't mean you just mash on the buttons. It means you um, there were a lot of times where you wanted to parry at the right times and just pay really close attention, but you wanted to really get in the enemy's face in lots of cases. Um, and there were there were you know it was a really diverse enemy set, so um, there were different ways that you were clearly pushed to attack some enemies so you kind of expand your your play style in that way. And so I would say it's very, very different. It doesn't have as many options as the Souls game. But I kind of prefer the option that it gave, so it was cool with me. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'll, I'll make these a lot shorter. I, I, after I beat Sekiro, um, I started playing Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order because I was still feeling kind of the Souls mindset, but also I've seen stuff about uh, you know some Naughty Dog releases and wanted that high production value. And I, ha- I haven't played enough yet to even talk about it, so I'm not going to go okay. into it. And then in the background, I've been playing uh, the Castlevania Advance Collection on my Switch. So I'm playing Curse of the Moon, right? Circle of the Moon right now. It's really, really great. Um, I love the Castlevania games. It's one of my favorite series. I think Souls games are inspired by them in a lot of ways, especially with their worlds. Um, and I, I don't want to go too into it. This game is way harder than other Castlevania games. But the art design is really, really is great. The I'm saying really, really a lot.
1: Anyways. Really, really. Yeah.
0: The art design is great, the music is it's a Castlevania game, so the music is awesome. Mm-hmm. i d I don't love the game feel, but the rest of it is enough to get me through it. Of the Castlevania right. games I played, I think this is my least favorite right now, but I'm I'm still I'm still very much enjoying So zane um what do you playing? Yeah,
1: so I think we have discussed it, but I played What Remains of Edith Finch. Yes. Um my opinion has somewhat shifted. I I think we talked about it, you know, not really clicking for me the first time. But um, I sat myself down in a dark room and I replayed it, turned off the lights. I kind of let the atmosphere wash over me. And that really improved the overall experience as opposed to kind of playing it like a party game with like a bunch mm-hmm. of friends around. Um, and so I think really allowing yourself to be allowing the experience to wash over you as opposed to kind of taking it on with, you know, distractions around is a... Uh, is beneficial to the overall experience of the game. Um again, some issues with how uh the developers use the camera at certain points, you know, it kind of jerks you around. It makes you feel like you're playing one of those old arcade games where you kind of just shoot things like the shooting gallery games, then you walk around and you don't really have control of the camera. It feels like that at certain points. But um overall, the story is really re- rewarding and I think um it makes up for a lot of the gripes that I had with the sort of mechanics of the game um yeah and then after that i moved on and i started playing rage two because i'm obviously a bethesda guy uh, and so it's published by bethesda and i have to admit i'm skeptical i'm like seven or eight hours in so again in that kind of range where you feel like you can sort of have an opinion but you might you might need to hold off a little while some some cursory thoughts are um the voice acting is bad at least for the male character um the story seems weak so far and the upsetting part about like the game looks great so that's nice the guns feel great that's good um but the upsetting thing is if you've ever played the mad max game that came out like in 2015 um very reminiscent of that but the mad max game is better so now playing every time i boot up rage 2 i want to play mad max and um that's not that's not a good Point for your game to to rest in so we'll see yeah. how it goes
0: interesting yeah i played i played rage 2 maybe a maybe a year and a half or so ago mm-hmm. and i and i remember thinking like i kind of wish i was playing doom yeah. the whole time i didn't enjoy mm-hmm. the car combat i didn't like the open world design mm-hmm. i i i'm considering going back to it maybe at some point i beat it but i i like i mainlined it yeah um I don't think I really will go back to it. I'd like to if I had an abundance of time. Right. Uh, I've never played the Mad Max game though, so it's good to hear that that's better. That's excellent. The Mad Max <laughs> game is is great. It was it was really funny because leading up
1: to it, everyone was like, "Wow, this kind of looks a little goofy. This looks a little dumb." And I remember, you know, being very plugged into like the games media at that time. So I was like, everyone was like, "This Mad Max game. We don't know how it's going to turn out. It might be okay." And then it released, and everyone's like, "Wow, this turned out to be like." like kind of like top gun kind of like the top gun sequel everyone was like it might be okay and then it turned out way better than anyone ever expected it to hmm. um and max kind of fills that that niche um yeah. but yeah i i can't see rage 2 and not see mad, mad max which is upsetting
0: yeah yeah um and speaking of to to go back a little bit what remains of edith finch one of my favorite games uh i think it has one of the best sequences in games ever made if you if you played it, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you haven't played it, go play it. Um, and I and like I told Zane before, uh, I think part of the reason that I love that game so much is time and place. I played it at like 4 a.m. when I had to work the desk as an RA, so it was dark, no one was there, it was quiet. I had the, this whole big empty space to myself, mm-hmm. and it was while well, I had I had lots of the uh, the themes of the game on my mind already, and mm-hmm. so having that brought out. Uh, it was really impactful. So I, I I love that game. Glad to hear that, that you enjoyed it a bit more on a second playthrough. Yeah. Um absolutely. and I know you're you're getting into some walking sims a bit more. So maybe sometime right. I know I wanted to play have you played The Vanishing of Ethan Carter? I have not. I wanna play that at some point. We should we should set up a time whenever we both, you know, have a little bit of free mm-hmm. time and we can go through it and then reconvene and see what we think That'd about it. That'd be nice, yeah. Um I know we wanted to do something similar with Until Dawn, so Maybe we can make that somewhat of a recurring segment on the show. That'd be excellent. Awesome. So that's the little bit of intro conversation. Now we'll get into the news. I'll I'll give a little roundup of the story that we're going to be talking about. And then we can get into the surrounding conversation. So The Last of Us Part 1 released on September 2nd, twenty two, to very interesting reception. Somewhat predictable, Mm -hmm. but interesting nonetheless. Uh, so this is from I believe GamesIndustry.biz, yes, uh, their review roundup uh, quote with more than 100 critic reviews cataloged on Metacritic. The game is sitting on an average review score of 89, and then mm-hmm. taken from that from that piece. So it seems like according to most critics, the graphics are like indisputably awesome, which mm-hmm. I think we all expected. It's a Naughty Dog game. It's on the PlayStation 5. Right, you figured. Uh, many make, so many make note that it makes a really sincere impact on the experience, bettering the emotional moments, making the combat look more visceral. So like you see more of their faces, you can the gore hits you a little bit more in the gut, um, and it's clear that, they, that in terms of visuals, real effort and time was was put into this game. So clarification: games are hard to make, no matter what, really. Um, and so it, it just it's a personal irk when people are like, "Oh, it's so lazy." It's like, eh, probably not. Um, and this definitely wasn't that clearly. However, uh, that's pretty much all that's changed in the game. So a lot of reviews will note that, oh, maybe there's some changes in AI, but we don't have really the level of testing to make sure that that's a thing. So for, for the sake of this conversation, we'll say that they did make some changes to the AI. They added some, you know, if, they added more if-then statements into enemies' <laughs> brains. So they right. can flank you a little better, do, do things like that. Um, but it's hard to put that into solid, solid perspective. So the gameplay hasn't changed that much. The dodging from Part 2, the uh, going prone from Part 2 wasn't parted over, which I would say makes sense. They'd have to change the whole design from everything. Dodging perhaps could have, added, could have been added a bit easier, but going prone, uh, right. which I really enjoyed in Part 2, would be not really possible to add to the first game without some serious changes. But that is to say that they updated the graphics of a 10-year-old game, and that is it. And they released it for $70. So some sales numbers. This is from the head of gamesindustry.biz, Christopher Dring. Uh, he tweeted, The Last of Us Part 1 is narrowly number one in the UK physical retail chart this week. It's a remaster and not a particularly big launch. It sold around half of what last week's Saints Row managed. This is purely physical sales. So some qualifications around that statement. Yeah, there's a lot of them. One, it is only physical sales. A lot of these sales are going to be digital. Two, The Last of Us at the time of that test had only been out for a couple days, whereas Saints Row had been out for, I think, four or five. So it had doubled the amount of time in terms of uh, measurement. Three, The Last of Us is a PlayStation 5 exclusive, while Saints Row is a uh, is multi-platform. Yeah. That said, I do think this is somewhat interesting and relevant to our conversation. Excuse me. Um, with regards to the fact that this is clearly i think indicates that it's not it's not the blowout that some playstation titles have really been before where it just it's insane to the degree so it is still number 1 but it's a it's a small number 1 it's not right. it's nothing crazy and again there's lots of factors this game is selling better than that it's selling a lot it's selling better than than saints row i would imagine right. but it's not selling as highly as i would guess the sony executives PlayStation executives would hope, and so that gets into the conversation that surrounds this whole thing, which is about the price of games and the value of games. And so Zane, I've been talking for a while. I promise I'll boot it over to you in a second. <laughs> uh, for one thing, I just want to clarify i I don't think I don't think this is a cash grab necessarily. Um, I just I want to hear your like initial impressions on that take because I've heard it a lot.
1: Um. Well, philosophically, every game is a cash grab, right? Not to not to sound like that guy, but at the point of everything, um, is to make actually, money. yeah, um, actually, businesses operate. No, but like the the thing is, everyone's trying to make money, and I think at the same time there was probably like a groundswell within the company to revisit a game that they really loved. And the thing is, there's it's undisputed that company loves Last of Us Part One. I think, I think it was, it was an obvious came out of love and it's just a, it's a beautiful story and a beautiful game. So I think revisiting that kind of taking a victory lap on it, if you will, even though they did that on PlayStation four, but um, taking a victory lap on it isn't, isn't, doesn't have to be, you know, creatively bankrupt. I think that's what we're talking about is like, people think that there was no creativity behind this. There w- there was no uh, desire to go back and do this. I don't think that's necessarily true. So I don't, agree with the historical usage of the word cash grab for this particular thing. Um mm. that being said, I do think it is a little overpriced. Um at least for like me. I think uh, given the next gen 10 dollar bump kind of um it would have been nice to see it even priced at like 10 dollars lower, like like you know, like a PlayStation 4 game. Um just to well, signify it. No, sorry. go ahead. Go ahead. I was like just to signify that um you know, it is a game that most of us have played
0: before. Yeah, we'll get I'll. I'm going to I'm going to talk to you more about that. I, I wanted to wanted to say a few things. Mm-hmm. Uh, for one thing, I think it's important that when we're looking at like, oh, is this creatively bankrupt? Because lots of games you can say are obviously everyone's trying to make money. They want to they want to live and eat. Right. they want to keep their studio alive. Mm-hmm. Um, but is is this game? I don't know that I would say this game is necessarily creatively driven per se. Uh, I think a lot of games you could argue that. Uh, and and I think there are there are a few reasons as to why exactly this this title was released that I, I think a lot of people are just saying, like, why is this a thing? it you can still play it on the p s five. You can play it on the p s four and it still plays great and looks great. You know it's it's a little dated, but it in all things considered, it's really, really solid. Um, and in in my opinion, overall, like one of the best games ever made. so, Right. I think there are a couple reasons that they that they did make this, and for one thing, the conversation around opportunity cost is brought up a lot um, mm. in the context of of this title and in game development in general. Of like, oh, well, why do you want that game to exist? It's well, the existence of that of this game probably halted the existence of something else that I would have enjoyed more right. that I really would have wanted more. So, I I think there are, there are a couple reasons that I don't think the alternative the cost to this is necessarily as beneficial as desire to some people make it out to be. Um, I think we we talk about studios as a single unit a lot of times. Um, when they're not. They're like any company, they're a lot of individual teams. And so if you have a marketing campaign running in this camp in this team, that's not gonna really have as much of an impact on, you know, the financial planning team. Obviously they'll interact, but one uh one decision over here isn't going to make this massive earthquake over here. Right. So with that in <clears throat> mind, I think we know that Naughty Dog is working on a multiplayer title. And in all likelihood, I say in all likelihood, we know it's going to be a uh uh live service mm-hmm. game uh that is multiplayer. And so I think that's new to their design team it's new to their team as a whole, but it's especially new to their design team. And a lot of the design of those games is really complicated and you have to make sure that you're of a really high quality right from the start. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is kind of a way of let's get something out and let our design team do their thing because they're not working on this. I I mean, I would imagine there was not a lot of effort going into this from the design team angle, because the, de- the design exists. This is a lot of work from programmers and artists and technical artists mm-hmm. and QA and things like that. But des- the design is there. The design's all written out. It doesn't require any writers either. It doesn't require voice acting. Yeah. So those teams can work on their next project. Mm-hmm. You think I'm, you think I'm right there, Zane? You think I'm missing anything?
1: No, I, I think, I think that's a, that's a fair summation, but I, you know, I, back to what you said at the beginning Um, you said you don't know that it's all that creatively driven or you don't, you don't see it as like a creatively driven thing. And um, I think, I think that makes sense to a certain extent, but also I can't imagine that there wasn't a certain level of excitement to return to the, like to part one, you know, for sure. Um, And so I think that may have been more of a factor, than anything else. Obviously making money and getting something out there while we're probably going to have a long wait for the next Naughty Dog title um, was important. Um, so I think that that definitely played into it, but I, I can't imagine that those artists who worked on it 10 years ago, you know, some of them I'm sure didn't, but some of them did. And I, I can't imagine that they weren't thrilled to go back and be able to re-update the game. And, um, you know, I think the you always make these remakes with a person who hasn't played it in mind probably so it's like if you know you missed it last time in the time after that we're really hoping to get this really nice new experience into the hands of someone who hasn't played it before like kind of polish it up and, and make it up again um but yeah i obviously think that this was to a certain extent profit driven i just think i i think and hope that the artists were excited to return to part one
0: yeah a, a few things you have some really good stuff there. Um... For one thing, with regards to, you said, like, I'm sure the artists were excited to go back to this. There were changes in terms of some of the art design. I know some of the characters look different, and it does change kind of how you interpret some things, in particular with Tess. Tess uh, is kind of the character. I won't spoil it. um, Tess is a character um, who you meet early game, who is kind of implied to be somewhat romantically involved with Joel in some way, the protagonist. and. In the original she looks like she's maybe 25 something like something in that range and in this game she looks to be about joel's age about 50 years old and so it changes that whole dynamic a fair bit so i i I do think when when i say that i'm not sure it's entirely creatively driven i would maybe i should i should take that back a little bit and say that i'm not sure that that was the primary driving force
1: right right right. and i and i i would i would concur with that yeah okay Um, um I I think where like where we differ is if it's in my book to qualify as a cash grab, it would have to be like someone up top being like, this will make money, go back and do this. And then there's no support, you know, from any artist. Like it doesn't, if you, if you ask someone to go back and remake like Battlefield, no one's touched Battlefield in like 20 years, you know, I mean like the old Battlefields obviously. Um, And so that, that probably seems more like a cash grab because none of those people have that emotional tie to it, you know? Mm Uh, whereas I could definitely see this garnering support from artists and people like that.
0: Mm. Fair, there. Um, I also think on on the other side of things, it gives the programmers and artists kind of a a nice little test to get used to the PS5 mm-hmm. as they work with it, so they can kind of see. Uh, I know Naughty Dog has been, you know, obviously, they've been hiring, they've been expanding their team, mm-hmm. and I'll note that I've seen a lot of posts on LinkedIn from people saying like, "Oh, I was so excited to join this team when I was first hired." sort of thing. And so I think this is kind of the thing where they go, okay, newbie, let's see you remake our Magnum Opus here. Right. right, right. Um, And then get used to the new t- technology. That,
1: that kind of handing, handing the kid the keys to the Ferrari moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, you made the point of you want to make a remake with new people in mind. I think the other big reason, and this, I do think in all likelihood is the primary driving factor is the TV show that will be released next year. Mm -hmm. Um, So a couple things to note on that. Uh, The Witcher 3 hit a lifetime high player count at uh, the first season of The Witcher's release. So just a little data to show where they were thinking with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then two, the game, uh, this game, The Last of Us Part 1, is currently $70, which is where a lot of the controversy comes from. And uh, by the time the show comes out, it will likely be around the, I would guess, forty range, fifty range, something like that. You think it'll be cheaper? I think it'll be cheaper on no. sale. But yeah, on sale it will be. I, I just don't know
1: that PlayStation is, is, uh, quick to lower their prices.
0: On. I mean, the show here. Let me, uh, let me review but, this
1: here. But I almost guarantee that a sale will coincide with the release of the first episode.
0: For sure. Yeah, I would, and, and it'll be all over. I would the so Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the.
1: A, As a business person, I hope that happens.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The show will come out, uh, it's just noted early 2023, so we don't know for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But that gives, it is currently September, so September, October, November, December, January, at least five or six months. Mm -hmm. Um, Which I think is plenty of time to bring it down a bit. Uh, Which is, kind of leads into this conversation the controversy around, why is this thing $70? The argument basically being, this is a remake of a game that came out In the grand scheme of things, fairly recently, no one, uh, you know, I I don't think, and I do believe this, I don't think there was a huge audience of people going, you know, before it was announced. We need The Last of Us remake. Right. I don't think that was a thing. No, I don't. And so, with that in mind, why is this priced $70 right now? Why isn't it cheaper? Why isn't it a $50 title? Mm, Excuse me, a $40 title. You know, Sifu was priced cheaper. So why wasn't why wasn't this stray? It will be priced cheaper. Why wasn't this? It's just a remake, no new content. and it lacks the multiplayer mode that the original one released with. Mm-hmm. And so I want to get into a few conversations with that. So for one thing, again, like I said, it'll go down. I think they're anticipating this for the for the show and they're saying we're gonna release it at the top, get our diehards in, you know get the get that extra $30 dollars on top. And then whenever the show releases, we'll have the normies come in and go $40 and I can get into the last of us and watch the show. Heck yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think that's exploitative in nature. Probably. Um, You know, there are people, you know, in your fan base that will pay for everything you release day one. And so I think the idea that you would release something at higher price for, you know, a specific amount of time. um, And I mean, obviously this happens with all games, but just, you know, the idea that you, see its value as lower than what you're actually gonna release it at. Whereas like I think a game like um like God of War Ragnarok, if they release that at $70, I think they priced it at $70 because they believe it's worth seventy dollars, you know? Whereas Naughty Dog is pricing it at $70 because they think they can get seventy dollars out of a certain group of people. Um so I think that is my probably biggest gripe with the whole thing because i don't think it's I, I love the game i i have loved that game for since it came out and i think um i don't i don't have an issue with them re-releasing it inherently um but i do have an issue with the price point for sure
0: um yeah this is this is one of the things i have written down of why 70 dollars they could yeah they could do it yeah exactly. and I think that's that's due to a few things of, of, yeah, like you said, there are a lot of people who are just going to buy everything. Does it make it wrong for them? Which is what a lot of people are arguing. Is this is wrong. This price should not be a thing that we should mm-hmm. be okay with. And, you know, there's some argument to be made that, well, some people are going to buy it. If you don't want it, just don't buy it. Wait for a sale. Yeah. No reason to get upset. And I think I think there's some legitimacy to that argument. Um, you know, corporations going to cooperate. <laughs> um I I think I, I had an interesting conversation with a friend recently. They were kind of I had, I had two buddies who were going back and forth about some different economic models. Mm-hmm. Um and uh one of the guy one of the guys was just like very slowly explaining the su- supply demand graph. Right. Um and so it kind of got me thinking and there hasn't been a whole lot of AAA, you know, high quality, story driven releases over the past few months, especially on mm-hmm. on this platform, you know, Nintendo's been been releasing, you know, Xenoblade and Live Alive and all these all these big titles for them. Uh, mm-hmm. Splatoon will be coming out, but on the PlayStation side, not a massive amount. Stray, I think, is is much much smaller for one thing, and also a bit more. Uh, you know, there's some differing opinions on it, right. and so I think right now the the as the supply has decreased demand has probably gone up a bit so they can right. get away with that price i think if they tried to do this a couple months down the road they would not have an easy time yeah
1: and i think i think that was pretty intentional and um so i think there is a demand for this kind of game is it demand for a game we've already played is the question um that most of us have played at least most PlayStation players, most gamers have played, um, and I think that will be answered when we get deeper and better sales data. Um, we're not going to get that playstation yeah. doesn't do that it's so sad <laughs> um, maybe maybe when when we're all grown up, we 'll get some data, but <laughs> um, i don 't know i think i don't i don't think I think there is demand for this kind of game i don 't think there is demand or as much demand as they like to think for this particular game.
0: That's that's fair. We'll we'll see if you're correct in that assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about a little bit about why this specific thing is causing such an uproar. I'm not sure if you've been super tuned in, but I've seen the conversation everywhere mm-hmm. about this price, and people are are quite quite upset. Yeah, and I think that makes sense. Yeah, I I I have a few few reasons here listed that I. I think kinda answer the question for one thing, and I I think this just applies to anything last of us related, is that it's a magnet for controversy and it's constantly like in the zeitgeist. Mm -hmm. People were talking about Last of Us Two for a year and a half before it released and then the leaks happened and then there was controversy after that for Mm -hmm. six months. And then immediately, you know, the Last of Us Part One remakes start coming about. So it just it it's been rolling for a while. Right. And I Um, think the longer it stays the more eager people are. To just release whatever they have to say about it and say like ah you just let it fly yeah um and I, I another thing is i think naughty
1: dog is okay with this because i don't think naughty dog's goodwill has been harmed all that much like at least not in maybe this is just me comparing it to the other you know companies whose goodwill we've seen get destroyed recently bethesda cd project red so maybe it's just small in comparison but i don't think anyone is out here talking about how Naughty Dog is some awful company now. I don't think anyone's saying that or, or saying that they're not going to buy the next Naughty Dog release because this you know, X, Y, and Z is happening. Um, so I think as long as Naughty Dog can get away with it, they will. But um, my main concern and my knee-jerk reaction is no one no one likes to be self-aware, especially corporations. So some, some other corporation is going to do this and they're going to release their game for $70 and it's going to be just a regular remake and they're not going to get away with it. And but it's gonna it's gonna cause a trend at least for a little bit in my opinion, um, and that's what I'm worried about because um, I you know you could argue that this game is so high quality that maybe you should pay seventy dollars for it you know but there are, that's
0: that is a few and far between
1: type of game so I think I think as more companies begin to to do this it'll be an issue. I
0: I disagree somewhat in that I don't think The Last of Us is really impacting any trends with remakes i think they're already so common uh what was it destroy All humans 2 remake just mm-hmm. released recently um so i think uh we'll see if you're right about if, if they'll start kind of moving that baseline up yeah moving um, the price up is what i'm
1: concerned about. oh the
0: price okay
1: um yeah. and remakes are happening and that's fine but i'm i'm talking about full price remakes
0: full that price don't remakes. do much okay. um Okay, here. Let, this leads into this pretty well. So, I think part of part of your concern and part of this overall controversy, the uproar, is that money has just. And you can tell me if I'm wrong. I think money has just been way more prominent in, uh, the games, world. The conversation around money and how much, how much should I pay for this? Why are they charging mm-hmm. X amount for this? I think it's just been way more prominent over the last few years, and maybe it's just because as I've gotten older, I'm more conscious of it, mm-hmm. but. I really feel like that wasn't as much of a thing and, I, and I'm I was doing some some research about what uh, older game consoles used to be priced at
1: mm-hmm.
0: and accounting for inflation those guys were expensive yeah, and when you yeah. look at I would argue you know if you were playing an N64 back in the day and you were given a PlayStation 4 your mind would be blown. I'm not saying the games are necessarily higher quality, but there's a lot more that goes into them, into them overall. Don't get me wrong; I love retro games and things from that era, um, but it's it's undeniable that there's a lot more manpower that goes into it. Um, and so when you look at the price, where you know the N64 would be, um, again accounted for inflation, um, nearly the same price, or you know, as expensive in some cases. I don't remember the exact consoles, but I remember thinking like, man. These are really, really expensive. Um, yeah. And it's almost like we've forgotten about that.
1: Yeah. And I think it's what's allowed prices, I guess, accounting for inflation to, to stay the same is the growth of the consumer base. And I think that's that's pretty, that's pretty obvious. Games are a lot bigger than they were back then. There's a lot more people buying games. And um, I feel like they've allowed the games market to be simplified enough that you can buy consoles for someone else now you know it's not you don't have to be a nerd to understand what's going on with the playstation 5 or or the xbox you know so i think the the people buying the amount of people buying games is bigger and the amount of people who will buy games is bigger Um, so i think that's allowed it to stay the same but i don't i again i think that we might be conflating some stuff here i don't have an issue with Games overall raising prices $10, but that was a big hot button topic for a long time is, you know, next gen games are $10 more. I was like, ah, kind of get it. Games have been the same price since like Madden 98. So like, you know, the 1998 Madden, like the first one, that was 60 bucks when it came out. So I think it makes sense that they jump a little bit. Um, <clears throat> and you're right. There, there are way more people going into it. You know, it's like um, movie ticket prices have gone way up in that time. A bunch of other entertainment services have increased their prices over that time. NFL tickets have gone way up. Stuff like that. So um, I think it makes sense that they're going up. I just have an issue with this particular one.
0: Yeah, no, I I think, and I, I agree with you. I think price increases is, is partially what's caused this this increase mm-hmm. um, in discussion in that kind of zeitgeist mindshare. That's right. more what I'm saying is, is, why is it that whenever we look at this, oh, okay. we say, oh, the price is bad. When I first saw it, I thought like, I don't know if I need this. Right. I wasn't thinking, yeah. like, I don't know if I need this for $70. Right. That wasn't my initial reaction. And it seems um, to be a lot of people's. And I think that's due to, um, again, like you said, the price increases. I think you know, inflation, recessions constantly on everyone's mind now. Right. So I think um, the price is what people jump to. Go ahead. That, and I think a lot
1: of the people that we're tuned into are getting the game. Like, they're people who are going to get the game and review it or get the game and talk about it. It's part of their culture, their job to buy the game. So it's like, it's essentially like you forced me to pay $70.
0: I, will, a I think a lot of the people we to listen money. to get them for free.
1: That's, that is a fair point. But I, and then in that sense, they're outraged on behalf of the people who are <laughs> listening to their podcast religiously or listening to their YouTube channel, tuning into their stuff. So they're mad for those people. So I think, um, there, a bit of it is like it's kind of their job to have a reaction and the, and obviously the big reaction is, is the, the money that their consumers will have to spend. But I agree. I feel like monetary issues have come much more to the forefront of culture and politics lately. And I think, um, you know, re- the recession has been on everyone's mind since the pandemic, really. We kind of avoided one or bounced off a recession there and everyone's kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop or have been for like two years. So I think, I think that definitely has a lot to play into it.
0: Yeah, I also, I, and I, I just want to briefly touch on this because I know we can make a full, probably not even one episode, several episodes <laughs> on this. I think subscription services are changing how people view their money that goes into games.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: so we'll, again, we'll get into that later. And so the last little thing I wanted to touch on, now that we've talked about price, I want to talk about kind of one layer below that um, just the idea of value propositions and how we look at how we determine value uh, in our games as a consumer base. Mm-hmm. And so I, I have a list here from things that I want to go into, but Zane, I want to I want to hear what your like initial initial thoughts are. And like, oh, I'm willing to spend a, spend seventy dollars or sixty dollars or hundred dollars or whatever on a game if it's X, Y, and Z. Those are the most important factors. Um. So I think you, I, I
1: can go into a list here. I'll do a list. If you go yeah. ahead, do
0: a list. I was just, I was giving you a, I was, I was doing a pitch there, but uh, <laughs> you can yeah, take this however, however you want. I'm sure we can. Yeah. We can I think,
1: forward. I, I think obviously the amount of stock I've put into a game prior to release kind of, kind of makes up, kind of does a lot with that. I don't, I don't necessarily window shop as much as other people I know on like the digital space of the console. So I don't really open the store and go, "Well, what you know, I have a free $70. What am I going to throw it at now?" I kind of have like the I obviously we know when games are coming out, so I have the year as a whole and I kind of budget out, "All right, $70 for Starfield in November, $70 for uh Hogwarts Legacy here, and then I'll pick up these other games that I'm really interested." I kind of tear it out. So the games that I know I'm paying full price for honestly pre-downloading and then games that I would be willing to buy at full price, but not right away. And then games that I would wait for a sale on. And then, so I think that kind of helps me budget my money as far as all that. But I think those factors are important. Hype goes into it. Um, Development, like development teams who I know is behind it. We talked about that. uh, I think one time, Uh, if I, if I'm particularly fond of a certain director who's just, started on this game i I might pay full price for it so all of those go into that
0: this is this is super interesting act like outside of the show this is interesting Mm -hmm. because your list reflects a different side than the one that i wrote does uh you're you're looking at it and i don't know what this means exactly you're looking at it from the perspective of someone who has watched a trailer and doesn't Mm you know isn't sure of what the game is the list that i wrote is as if i've already played it i'm not sure what that means but i'm gonna i'm gonna take like a mental note on that for later. i
1: I think it might honestly be that my approach to this is more uh skeptical or or loot boxy if you will like i'm not willing to drop something on something i'm unsure of as much as as much as you're like you have a set criteria and if it matches that criteria it has been worth your money
0: maybe if i'm
1: if i'm reading what
0: you're saying yeah it's we'll see so so the list that i have and we can discuss these on on individual level i have no no first let, let's go back to yours so you talked about hype mm-hmm. uh can you can you give your your quick summation one more yeah so
1: yeah so i think like um fallout 4 is released that other fallout game was released um but we don't talk about that on the podcast anymore uh and then they immediately went into you know this new trailer for starfield right and so that begins that begins the hype but you know i've been paying attention since 2014 when they were trademarking the title and all of this stuff so i've been kind of on that bandwagon for a long time so that like long-term investment um leads me to be more willing to spend that 70 dollars right away um so kind of kind of like that or like um god of war ragnarok i played the first game and now i'm super excited for the second i'll be getting that the day it comes out um so i think in that sense that's the hype that i'm talking about um yeah if i if i have pre-invested time or you know headspace into a game then i will i will
0: pay for it okay so that that does line up with with one of mine that i think is really important for a lot of people is ip you recognize the Mm -hmm. and this is universal with entertainment it's why there's a million sequels um but i think it i think it clearly does have an impact on what we're willing to spend.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I think of... Uh, this is a really good example. The Ratchet & Clank kind of reboot on the PS4 was $40. Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, now with that same audience, 70 Yeah, And so I think it was them kind of revving up a mm. little bit in that way. Um, another one I think, and I'm surprised you didn't list this, I think a lot of people look at Time. Um, this isn't yeah. necessarily a personal mm-hmm. list. I think people look at, oh, how long is it? How many dollars per hour do I have here? Yeah, I remember it's
1: definitely not personal list. You hate long games.
0: <laughs> well, we'll we'll get into this. I one my okay. You know, I always reference Persona Four, but also The Witcher Three. Those game those are two of my favorite games. Man, come on, there's so, there. Give me a break. Um, get off my back, Sam. <laughs> I think a lot of people look at this in terms of a dollar per hour per hour. And in a class I was having recently, we were discussing kind of how movie theaters price their price, their movies and how uh, rental companies kind of come into that where the rental companies came in and said, people don't want to be spending, you know, $5 per hour of entertainment. They want to be spending a dollar. And so, you know, if you, if you have a movie ticket for 10 bucks and it's a two hour long movie that's fine. and then you have, you have, you have your family four going. So that's $40. Or you could rent that movie for $5. So two times four, that's $8 or eight hours of content um, in total for five bucks, which is, you know, a little under a dollar per piece of, per hour of entertainment. And so I think that's something that we put a lot of stock into. Now we can get into it. I don't think that's a great valuation um i i so i didn't list that
1: because as much as i love long games i agree and i think i think edith finch is is just the most recent example of that i i it came off game pass and so i had to buy it to to replay it so i bought it it was ten dollars an hour i played it for two hours and it was a twenty dollar game and so it's definitely more money than than like my Fallout's or the other games that I buy per hour, but I I loved it, and I think I think hours like spent in the game have become somewhat overrated.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I I, I think in in a lot of cases it's just uh, it's a little bit too prominent in the conversation. I I understand the concept of if you're you know low on funds and you're like this needs to last me a while. Totally get it. Totally respect it makes makes a ton of sense but i don't i don't know how valuable it is well i guess i should take that back i think i'm looking at this a bit from my own personal perspective too much i can understand the value of looking at that in terms of uh looking at the industry as a whole and the context Mm -hmm. of all the games releasing uh i'll just say that i i think a lot of people almost look at that in terms of like oh it's the only thing uh or you know with something like edith finch I I love Edith so much. Uh, over the summer, there were I could I found it that the physical copy is incredibly expensive, and I found it believe it or not th- believe it or not this was a deal for a hundred dollars, and right. I bought it. I bought a two-hour game, three-hour hour game, for however long it is, a hundred dollars, and it was worth it to me because it means a lot to me. I I love it. I want to be able to no matter what share that with people.
1: Yeah, um, and I think. I think that's part of the reason, right? Is like, no matter how many hours you get out of a game, it matters the amount that the game has touched you with that time. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think that's why time is probably overrated.
0: Yes. Uh, I, think, I think the most important thing, I think it's very important for a lot of people. I think it's, it's probably, in the end, most important for a lot of people because no one wants a super long game that is terrible. Um, <laughs> is quality. I think people want high production values, yeah. solid gameplay design, good writing. All the good things are good. We know that. I don't know if we need to stick with it all that much. A right. couple other things. One, I think nostalgia is really, really big, which is why I want to talk about Nintendo. It's <laughs> um, why
1: they get away with murder.
0: It's, it's such an interesting system. They don't put their games on sale. They list them for $60 and they stay like that forever. Mm-hmm um and in some cases they go up um in terms of resale value yeah lots of cases they go up. if you try to buy a gamecube game right now you're going to be breaking the bank yeah i always
1: i joke with my dad that nintendo games are honestly an investment because if you buy it you might be able to sell it back for more later
0: no i i went on a little i bought um a small collection of, of ds games this summer and i remember my dad was like what are you gonna do with all this and i was like hey if something happens I guarantee they'll be worth what I bought them for. If not more.
1: If societal collapse occurs, I can trade these for food.
0: Yes, exactly. (laughs) You'll, you'll find them in my, you know, next to my skeleton and you'll find them next, you'll find them next to me and you'll be able to sell them to the nearest, uh, the nearest guy at, Oh darn it. What is that town in fallout three? Um, (laughs) Megaton. Megaton. Yes. Dang it. That would have been (laughs) such a good joke if I could have remembered it. Um, so I, I think nostalgia is is weirdly strong with regards to how we value something, uh, yeah. because I think in the end, a lot of the ways that we create this sense of value in our head is in some ways like purely emotional, it's purely feeling. And I think that nostalgic element kind of brings us back, you know, to when we were kids, to you know, these mm-hmm. like very pleasant, you know, positive uh, memories and i think it just raises that value implicitly
1: yeah i think uh, an anecdotal personal example of this is and you're going to laugh at me but we've discussed this before um is mass effect andromeda <laughs> i i have such a deep emotional tie to that game i love that game i love that game and i will take no slander about it no matter what and, and you'll take I, plenty
0: of slander <laughs> i understand you're that to have to
1: That people don't like it, and that's fine. But it it hit at the right time for me, and so you know, if someone said, "This is the last copy of Mass Effect Andromeda. This is all, and I need all your money," I might do it. I might pay, but it's again, it's because the nostalgia is so strong, Um, and so I I think that it it's to a
0: point irrational, right? If you sell my DS collection (laughs) for Mass Effect Andromeda. (laughs) I have Chrono Trigger on the DS. and Dragon <laughs> Quest V, if you sell, if you would be willing to sell that DS collection, I would never forgive you, even in my <laughs> skeleton form.
1: I, I, I won't sell it for Mass Effect Andromeda. I'll sell it for food, and then I'll use the food to get Mass Effect.
0: That, is, <laughs> that hurt. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, and I, and I think this, this has to do with how people are evaluating the value of the last of us part one. A lot of the arguments I've heard are it's still the same excellent game. You know, one of the best games ever made and now it's the definitive version, not group <laughs> multiplayer, you know, in terms of <laughs> graphics and playability and accessibility, the accessibility options we didn't discuss are incredible from what I've seen. Yeah. But I think it's that thought of just, this is just a remake. I could play this somewhere else, just emotionally, not to say it's like, Oh, not facts and logic, you know, whatever, not saying that I'm saying that we kind of have this innate sense of value that is based on almost just like how we feel about something. And a lot of people that makes them the fact that people are working on this and that they're going to charge full price as if it were a new thing mm-hmm. is irritated. And I think it right. brings that value down. Even if the product is the same.
1: Right. Um, and so two, two points I had one uh, I'm, giving you a new persona it's terms and service jeremiah is what it is because you know you're like the definitive edition not including multiplayer so you just sound like <laughs> it, it sounds like a, you sound like a terms and service robot reading it but yeah. anyways
0: um please talk to doctor think, if you experience any of these side effects
1: <laughs> right side effects yeah exactly um the other <sighs> completely lost my train of thought but yeah the um go on i'll, I'll remember eventually
0: okay um <laughs> So another thing that I that I did want to discuss which kind of breaks me not just as as like an analyst of the industry and a student of games but as a person mm-hmm. uh I guess just in general is Fortnite but more specifically <laughs> is the valuation the value proposition mm-hmm. for uh what's what oh my goodness what's it called uh for just aesthetic for uh for skins for and, skins for yeah, oh, how did i forget the profile word skin? images emotes yeah yeah for things that don't affect gameplay now this is something like for me as like a consumer i can't justify that i've never really been able to i bu- my look at my phone case this thing is garbage but it works okay. so i know you're you're into fortnite you play fortnite but i know you don't right uh, necessarily buy skins all the time, but I'm interested in, right. in your perspective on that value proposition.
1: Um, I kind of had just... Well, so my original thought was I think it's interesting that all of these Last of Us reviews that are coming out, everyone gave it a 10 out of 10 when it came out. Everyone gave the remake, the first one on the PS4, a 10 out of 10 because they gave the last one a 10 out of 10. But I'm not seeing that with this one. No one's giving this one a 10 out of 10. So I think that's that's pretty interesting. Uh, we can address that later. Move Here, I,
0: I do want to say my favorite, like, I can't remember which review this is from, so I apologize, but it said like hmm. a completely unnecessary remake of a really great game, eight out of ten, like it was yeah. really weird, <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, I feel like people are knocking points off for like having seen it before, but it's not like their fault you played the game, you know, mm-hmm. like it's still in my eyes a ten out of ten, even if it's annoying that it's a really simple, but um regardless of that fact, um philosophically isn't isn't this last of us remake kind of kind of like a skin It's just a reskin are, are we are we paying 70 for for a skin
0: is hey i didn't skin? buy it i haven't i don't know why i <laughs> threw my right just... i didn't buy it i didn't buy it either so i'm waiting i'm waiting for a sale. Uh, yeah but i good think point something... actually last yeah. of us is you know i mean last of us is Fortnite.
1: yeah last of us is Fortnite. that's my that's actually my twitter bio now
0: um I feel but
1: <laughs> yeah, I Go think on, on the Fortnite side, right? Um, I think the value proposition is different because um, you know obviously there are what people call you know cash cows. Not to be derogatory in any way to people who spend a lot of money on games, but there are people who will buy every single thing in the item shop in the item shop every single season. But I don't think that is common. I think people understand that they got this game for free and they're getting a lot of time and emotional, you know, intensity and a lot of connection with their friends through this game and are willing to throw 20 bucks at it once every six months if they have like a Darth Vader skin or a Goku skin or some big skin that they're really, that they're really a big fan of. And I think that's the thing, right? Is like, that's why Fortnite has all these weird things going on. That's why Darth Vader can Kamehameha, you know, Rick Sanchez, because they're trying to have this broad mass appeal. Um and I I'm playing I you know, I play Fortnite all the time and I play it with this guy who says that Dragon Ball Z is his favorite piece of fiction. So he dropped thirty dollars to get all the skins and all the emotes. And I thought, wow, that's ridiculous. But the thing is, if someone came up to me with a Luke Skywalker skin in Fortnite, I'd probably also drop twenty bucks because I love Star Wars. So I think it's those people that make the most sense to me. The people who buy everything in the item shop, I don't know that I can get behind all that.
0: But Yeah, I I will I will fight you a little bit. I think there are more cash cows than you would think. I don't. I don't I'm, think I'm Fortnite sure. is the success they're they're having with forty bucks a year from each person. Right. Exactly.
1: No. I and and I think
0: I as a
1: as I guess a Fortnite gamer or a member of the Fortnite community, if you will. Ringe.
0: Right. Exactly. Shame. <laughs> Pin of
1: shame. Um. It's hard to. It's hard to defend those people because I feel like you're putting in thousands and thousands of dollars to a game that you already have full access to. Yep. And uh and as a classical gamer or as a gamer who started, you know, <laughs> buying from GameStop or whatever, it's hard to it's hard to justify throwing all of that money at the same game that you
0: already have. Yeah. Um by the way, I would like to clarify as a uh, in your words, a classically trained gamer. <laughs> right you want to freaking vomit oh my god um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just i grew up brick and mortar 60 bucks that's what you do <laughs> yeah yeah um people can play people can play what they want i don't get Fortnite. Yeah, absolutely um but like i don't want to disparage anyone for liking what they want, That's so. yeah, Um I, I just it's hard to justify for me personally yeah yeah no i i totally get it. i just want to say like for for anyone listening like i make the jokes with you because you're my friend but like yeah, oh, playing. I'm not. I'm not. I don't have anything bad. Play, play what you want to play. I don't get it, but like, it's cool. if You're having a good time. Um, and I and uh, on kind of a tangent, I do totally understand like the social aspect and how there's like a lot of really interesting, you know, metaversal uh, ideas going into going into Fortnite. And those really do intrigue me. Um, yeah, the there's
1: like a two-hour-long Fortnite. Uh, lore videos so mm-hmm. that, I, yeah, I, that mean, I don't even know about that.
0: the concerts cool. kind of blow my mind those are the ones that's,
1: yeah. that's super weird yeah there was a there was an mlk tribute map in fortnite which was interesting um it was set at the washington mall so that was pretty pretty interesting included some trivia and stuff like that but it's it's interesting what they can do with essentially what amounts to the platform like it's like it's not necessarily a game anymore it's kind of like a is like a social media platform almost.
0: Yeah. So here, here's here's a question uh, for you: Does the value of the skins go up with the content that is added to the game that is free?
1: Does the value of the skins go up? I don't know that it goes up. I feel like there is a lot of um, created rarity. So, like, people will sell accounts that have the Rick Sanchez skin or, you know, whatever skin for a lot of money because it has that skin. But, again, I think, theoretically, Fortnite could list all of these skins forever on this item shop. They could just continue to add them. But that's what makes them so valuable is they're there for a short period of time. If you don't get them then, who knows when they might come back, if ever. So, I think that's what creates that, that value. I don't think they go up necessarily with more that's added.
0: Interesting. Um, well, I think Zane, do you have any any final thoughts? We've been going for about an hour and five minutes now. I think this has been a, a really solid first episode. I've I've enjoyed yeah. the more structured take we've we've looked at it with. I like the new production value with the videos, mm-hmm. Zencasters charging the an arm and a leg, but fine, <laughs> it's it's not that bad. But uh, <laughs> you can find us uh, on my YouTube channel, so YouTube.com/slash ahead of the game, and on any streaming uh, podcast streaming platforms at Video Game Consultation. So Spotify.com slash Video Game Consultation, Apple Podcasts slash Video Game Consultation. And we'll be doing this weekly with new conversations. The show I'm sure will adapt and change a bit, Um, but I really like this format that we're doing now. I have a couple things that I'm working on on the side that aren't necessarily going to be under the consultation banner. Um, but I'm excited to to promote them here. Uh, actually, you know what? This will be going up around the same time. So I'll, I will say my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash ahead of the game. Uh, I'll be having a podcast se- or an interview series going on mm-hmm. uh, called Our Favorite Games. And I'll just be interviewing kind of a diverse group of people about uh, the games that they are their their favorite games how they got into uh playing games and uh this will be with people in and out of the industry and it'll kind of be a celebration and also a celebration of the medium uh combined with some market research to see like what appeals to people what keeps them coming back and how do they view uh how do they view interactive entertainment as a whole so i have a few of those lined up already and a couple that i'm really hoping to get Um, again some of those people will be like developers and marketers suits that i'm working with and others will just be Mm -hmm. randos uh (laughs) so yeah some some cool stuff going on there some some video essays and things to come and those will all be on my youtube channel however the video game consultation banner on spotify will have its own thing so i think that sums it up zane it's been very fun talking to you i appreciate your time here thanks for listening everyone pleasure yes thanks for listening everyone i will see you next week. Have a good one.